Okay, anyway, if you see me uh, walking around and you see me like I'm having... Ah, okay, great. <coughs> if you see me walking around or you see me sitting down or standing up and it looks like I'm having great difficulty, don't worry, I didn't age overnight, okay? I didn't get into an accident or something. It's because I've been trying to go to the gym. I did this workout that oh, really gonna my lower back. Lah. In a good way, okay? I didn't injure myself. Uh, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we want to ask that everything that stands between your word of truth and conviction of our hearts, Lord, you deal with it. Help us, Lord, to be open to you. May I be faithful to your word. And so bless our time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever asked yourself, uh, when you're going through something, whether it's some sort of difficulty or whether it's some sort of confusing situation, have you ever asked yourself, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Or, or where are you, God? Don't you care, God? Now, today we are continuing the story of Joseph, and you can probably imagine that he went through similar sort of uh, sentiments and thoughts at different points of his life. It may not be recorded, but he probably, if he's human, lah, he probably went through some of those thoughts at some point or another. Why is this happening? Where are you, God? Uh, we continue from uh, Joseph's story. Last week was about Joseph running away from uh, Potiphar's wife, getting thrown into prison, and nah, 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 all that. Uh, and so we fast forward in his story. He eventually becomes Lord over Israel, okay? And eventually his uh, brothers come to Egypt. They need to look for him. They need to get food and then he interacts with them. And so eventually, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And ta-da! Hey, turns out I'm still alive. You thought you got rid of me. I'm still alive. Uh, but don't worry, I'm not angry at you. Because God meant it for good. And so the, what happens after that is he tells his brothers, go back to my father, Jacob. Go back to my father. Get him, bring him back here. Let him know I'm alive. And so Jacob and clan uh, move to Egypt eventually. Jacob is overjoyed that his son is still alive and when he's convinced, he goes to Egypt. Now this is all a very interesting story. Uh, it sounds very, almost like fairy tale like that. But in the midst of this story, Joseph declares to his brothers this very profound truth uh, that is found in Genesis chapter 45. Hope you can see. Huh? Which says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And so he repeats a similar sentiment in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This is after Jacob dies. And so the brothers once again come to Joseph thinking that now the father died already. Huh? He's sure going to... Gana uh, all the brothers uh, for, for what they did to him. And so he assures them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, which is the saving of many lives. Why? Because God, uh, Joseph predicted 
the, the whole seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. Okay, and so he, he did all that clever management uh, to store up grain and all that. So he ended up saving a lot of lives when people could go to Egypt during those seven years of famine to get food okay, and have their lives saved. And so Joseph's insight that it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you, uh, God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, his insight forms the big idea of our message today. And the big idea for today's message, so this is the part where you fill in the blanks, uh, or if you forget everything that you, for, er, everything that you hear in today's sermon, you just remember this, uh, so that later, after church, you go for Chakwetel, people ask you, what was the sermon about? At least you can tell them this, okay? That God is always working towards His good purposes. That's the big idea for today's message. That God is always working towards His good purposes. Now let's examine this truth. I've broken it into two key elements. Firstly, that God is always in control. He's always in control. And one of the key aspects of God's character is His sovereignty, His absolute control, His absolute authority over everything. And God's sovereignty is one of the things that sets Him apart from humans. We do not have a lot of control over our lives. Uh, Through the majority of our lives, it seems as though someone else is controlling it, correct or not? Uh, so whether you are a kid, uh, your parents are controlling your life, your teachers are controlling your life, you grow up, uh, you end up working, your supervisor is controlling your life, your boss is controlling your life, uh, you retire, uh, your age and your, your body is controlling your life, uh, the, the, the tour group is controlling your life. And so we are very limited in our ability to control things. And so we have this sovereignty of God and we at the same time, have an experience of suffering in this life. Because although God is in control of everything, we still experience suffering. That is a reality for us. And so this gives us a problem. When we go through suffering and feel it so clearly, suffering tempts us to lose sight of God. We are very tempted to lose sight of God's sovereignty in the midst of suffering. We are not feeling like God is not there. We are not feeling like uh, he, He's just totally out of the picture or we probably even forget about Him completely while we are going through that time of suffering. Now remember, God is still God. Uh, he's still there. He's still in control. But the cares of this world and our preoccupation with what we are going through and what we can or cannot control tends to block our view of Him. Uh, when I was introduced to, to, to the church, uh, you saw my wife, you saw my mom, you saw I had two dogs, I also have a cat, right? Uh, so this cat is named Wesley, very Methodist cat, uh, because he, he ran into the Bible study in J.B. Wesley. Uh, while they were having Bible study, and because we can't just leave a cat there to start becoming the church cat, uh, we adopted him. And so we named him John B. Wesley, J.B. Wesley. Uh, 
Anyway, so he, he has this tendency uh, to always want to come to you when you are doing something. You go and look for him, huh? he don't care. Huh? He will ignore your call. Uh, he will happily run away from you every time you want to go and pick him up. Uh, even you want to stroke him also, it's like, uh, run away, that kind of thing. But when you ignore him, you want to do something, you want to focus on something, he will come to you. Okay? And so, whenever he comes to you, he uh, doesn't always stay out of the way. Lah. And so, usually, uh, uh, this is a picture of me trying to do something. I'm trying to play a game. Lah. He will come and purposely sit on my lap on top of the controller. I cannot do anything. Uh, this is me trying to cut my nails, cut my toenails. He will purposely come and sit on top of me, make it very difficult. And so, especially when I'm trying to work, when you're trying to use the laptop, he will come and do all kinds of things around you. Okay? And so, sometimes suffering in this life is like my cat. Sometimes, our suffering calls for our attention and distracts us. Okay? It tries to, to keep our attention away from what we're trying to focus on. Okay? Just like my cat. He will come and he will lie down on the keyboard and then he'll try and play and then he'll try and, oh, I'm so bored around the, the area you're trying to focus and work. And so sometimes suffering tries to distract you, tries to take your eyes off what you're trying to focus, which is God. And then sometimes our suffering increases to the point where it's all that you can see. And so he likes to come and purposely, you're trying to work on the laptop, right? he'll come and eh, right in front of your vision. You cannot see anything. You can only see the cat. So sometimes suffering is like that. When you're going through suffering, you're going through the circumstances, it seems to be so insurmountable and so challenging and it just consumes your entire life all you can see is your suffering, like the cat. Uh, and you totally lose sight of where God is and who God is. But God is always there. He is still in control. And so it may, it may seem silly to say this, but suffering is no indication of God's absence. Just because we are suffering does not mean that God is absent, even though it may feel like that. And the Bible is proof of this. You have Joseph, you have Moses, you have Job, you have Jeremiah and all the prophets, you have Jesus, you have Paul. You know that when they went through suffering, it wasn't because God was not there. Rather, all the more, He was there. Uh, we don't know whether Joseph went through moments of doubt or despair when he was uh, in prison for doing the right thing. But we do know that eventually, eventually he was able to see God's hand. Eventually he was able to see uh, God's picture. God's big picture. And when we talk about God's sovereignty and suffering, the, the natural conclusion to draw is that God is responsible for suffering. Because if he's in control of everything and we experience suffering, naturally we conclude, logical, eh, that God is responsible for our suffering. But we need to get this very clear. God does not initiate, nor does he arrange for evil and suffering. Uh, 
because God is not the orchestrator, the, 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 the author of evil, sin is. The cause of evil, the cause of suffering is sin. And mankind is responsible for bringing sin into the world. And so suffering is an effect of sin. Whether humans causing suffering because of their, their sinful behavior or natural disasters, what we call in insurance uh, and legal terms acts of God uh, actually is the result of sin entering this world or disease, coronavirus, uh, consequence of sin. And all this is present in this world because of sin. And so if you ask, is God responsible for evil and suffering? Does he bring it about? I would say no. He only created good. Six days of creation, at the end of it, it was all very good. There was no evil, there was no suffering, there was no uh, imperfection in that. He cannot be tempted by evil. There is no darkness in him at all. He is light. Those are all absolute core characteristics about who God is. And so in his sovereignty, he may allow suffering. And he may even use that suffering to make something better out of it, just like in Joseph's case. And so when we really come right down to it, how we view suffering is really a matter of perspective. We can allow suffering to cause us to lose sight of God's sovereignty, or we can trust God's perspective over our own perspective. Now, what happens when we trust His perspective? Well, God's perspective allows us to respond in ways that are not limited by our own perspective. We can respond to situations in ways that we could not previously if we had not seen God's perspective. Take Joseph, for example. He had every right to get back at his brothers uh, for doing what they did to him, uh, for wanting to kill him, leaving him for dead, uh, selling him to slavery and all that. He had every right to get back at them. At the very least, he could have let them be distressed, uh, let them be angry with themselves for the meaningless evil that they inflicted on him. I don't know about you, huh? if I was in that situation, huh? they, I reveal my identity and then they're like, oh no, uh, ayo, how could we have done that to him last time? Huh? Uh, I may be like, uh, yeah, feel bad a bit, Tai <laughs> say, you know, serves you right. Uh, but Joseph didn't do that. Instead, he forgives his brothers. And the reason is because he sees God's perspective that in his suffering, it ultimately led to the saving of many lives. And God's perspective also gives us certainty in the face of the unknown. So first reading is about Joseph uh, revealing himself to his brothers. Second reading is about Jacob leaving his home to go and settle in Egypt. Uh, and this, if you think about it, uh, this seems counterproductive. Why? Because... The promise that was given to Abraham and to Isaac and also to Jacob himself was that not only that they'll have many, many, many descendants, but what? They would settle in a specific land, become a specific nation, 
and this was the land of Canaan, right? And so, at this point of time, Jacob was already living in the land of Canaan, specifically the region of Hebron. Uh, he was already in the right place where God would fulfill his promises. Okay, and you think about it further, he already had 12 uh, sons, one daughter, already very fruitful. Huh? One man, 13 kids. Uh, each of those 13 kids has another 13 kids, will very quickly multiply and become a, a multitude that you cannot count, right? So think about it. Jacob was already there in Canaan, and then he, he, now he had to get out of Canaan in order to survive and go to Egypt, which seems to be different direction from God's promise. It seems to be a different direction from where he thought that God was leading him to and how he thought God wanted the promise to come about. Just stay in Canaan, make lots of babies. Okay, so it seems as though God's promise is not panning out. It seems as though this is a different direction. But God assures Jacob in Genesis 43, verse 3 to 4, he says, I am God, God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. I'll make you a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you. I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's hand will close your eyes. So despite a, a, an unknown and unexpected direction, definitely not part of Jacob's plans, Jacob could face his uncertainty and his move to Egypt with certainty because God had revealed his perspective to him. Now, let me just caution here against living life in a very fatalistic way. Huh? Uh, the Christian faith is more than saying that uh, what I do doesn't matter because God is always in control, so faith. Uh, whether I choose to do good, whether I choose to live life holy, uh, whether I choose to draw close to God, doesn't matter. God has it all in control. Faith. The Christian life is much more than that. What we do matters very much to God. If you see God's interactions with mankind throughout the entirety of the Bible, He cares very much about what humanity does. He doesn't just leave you to your own devices and eventually at the end, okay, uh, I will fix everything and make everything right. He cares about what is going on in their hearts at that point. He cares about the decisions that mankind makes. And so faith is therefore believing that God is always in control and navigating life with that conviction that God is always in control. And so making the best possible choices and making the best possible decisions and actions with that conviction and belief that God really is in control. And so it's not an apathetic approach of my choices don't matter. Uh, sera, sera. What will be, will be. Uh, eat veggie, don't eat veggie, doesn't matter. If 50 years, don't eat veggie, never mind. Uh, <laughs> no, your choices do matter. So good news, whatever you are going through, God is in control. Whatever you have gone through, God was in control. Whatever you will go through, 
God will be in control. But I have even better news for you, and that, that is that God isn't just always in control, but that His purposes are always good. His purposes are always good. Don Moen made it very clear, uh, he, he made it very clear to churches all across the world, God is good, and all the time, ah, okay, very good. This is the one thing you can count on congregations to do, no matter which congregation you go to. goes across denominations. And so because God is good, all the time and all the time God is good, His purposes will always be good. His purposes will always match His character. And so the truth that Joseph declared about his own circumstances, that, you know, God meant it for good, is later declared by Apostle Paul uh, for all who follow Jesus in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now, there's a theological term for this. When God's purpose is worked out in this world, it's called providence, okay? And so, things don't automatically work out for good. And that's what this providence is about. It's not that you leave things uh, to progress on their own and automatically, somehow, magically, uh, things turn out well. No. God intervenes in our circumstances. God intervenes in the events of the world and eventually he works it out according to his good plan. And so that is a large reason for why we pray, why we bother praying in the first place and we don't just sit back and let things work out itself for good, right? We pray, we ask God to intervene in a situation to use that evil and, and horrible situation for good. But God's purposes, his agenda doesn't always match our agenda. What God wants to do, what we want to do, doesn't always match up. Sometimes they align, sometimes they don't. What God wants is always good, but what we want is not always good. Or what we want may be good, but what God wants is even better like the image on your bulletin cover. Our plans are, hmm, now a nice house, I've got this many rooms, and God's plan is, no, <laughs> you're thinking too small. Uh, you're thinking too limited. You can't see what is possible with this location. Let me show you this theme park that you can build. Let me show you this castle that you can build. Or what God wants is for our good, but we strongly disagree that that is good. Like medicine. Uh, you know it's good for you, but when you drink it, it's bitter, Ew, it's not nice. So what God wants for you may be good, you may not agree. And so Romans 8.28 cannot be used as a magic verse to claim everything that you want uh, as though God is a, a personal genie who just goes about a really roundabout way to give you what you want. 
You can't use Romans 8.28 that way. You can't claim it for yourself and declare it in the name of Jesus and things will happen the way you want. No. Also, God's purposes go beyond what benefits us. Uh, For example, Joseph uh, saving lives from famine. And so that's why I've titled today's sermon, God's Happy Ending. Because in the kingdom of God, the focus is on Him. It's always on Him. And we may benefit in the process. It It may be for our good, but ultimately in all things, He is the one to be glorified. It is for His good purposes. Like 1 Corinthians 10, 31. In all things, everything that you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so God's agenda is always better. It's always better. We need to recognize His agenda is always better. Even if you feel very strongly that your way is better than God's way, eh, eh, you're wrong. God's way, God's agenda is always better. Uh, On Thursday, I think, uh, it was raining for the first time in I don't know how many weeks, and my wife and I, we were driving down. I I stay in Ban Pass, okay, so eh, long drive. Uh, Usually, it takes us half an hour. But on Thursday morning, when it was raining, we came into a very unusual situation. And that was, uh, you can tell, uh, this is Waze. uh. Uh, Waze, you know the red line means what, right? Red line means very bad. (laughs) Red line means heavy traffic. Red line means cannot move. Okay? So this was our situation. We are stuck in traffic. Uh, you can see got traffic report, jam, jam, jam. And then as we are going, constantly, oh, extra four minutes, extra five minutes, extra ten minutes, your jam is getting longer. And then you can see off the side there, more jam. Jam, 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 jam. And so we were, Jervan was, uh, my wife Jervan, she was already late for work. And so she's feeling like, why is this happening of all days have to go through this horrible jam? Uh, what we didn't know was, uh, we, we, we were blaming ways for why it took us this very jam way. I, uh, we, usually we take a road, right? And if we had gone that road, it looked very clear one, you know. It looked like a lot of, a lot of uh, there were not a lot of cars there. Everybody was going the jam way. But then we thought, okay lah, uh, follow ways. So Javan was blaming ways. Why ways go and bring us into this jam? What we didn't know was the point where the, the road that, that we usually take looks like this. <laughs> uh, this is Sungai Ara. I hear there was a flood or something there. Lah. Usually, usually flood. So what we thought uh, ways was bringing us into that jam Ways was actually bringing us away from much worse jam. Okay? So, <laughs> Ways' agenda is always better. Uh, I don't trust myself, I trust Ways more. Now, God is even better than Ways uh, because Ways can be wrong uh, occasionally. But most of the time, Ways is correct. I, I will testify that most of the time, Ways is correct. But God is even more correct than Ways. And we also have to remember that a good father gives good things to his children. You know, the story, uh, Luke 11, 11, 
Which father will give to his child if the child asks for bread? Ah, stone. <laughs> the child asks for fish? Ah, nah, snake. <laughs> what kind of father is that, right? So, our Heavenly Father is a good father. He wants what is best for us. His ways are always what's best for us. And so suffering is no indication that we are out of God's favour. Earlier we saw that suffering is no indication of God's absence, but neither does it mean that God is, just because we're going through suffering, that God is out to get us, or that God is disappointed and angry with us and He wants to punish us. For example, the prophets, Prophet Hosea, uh, God told Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman, Hosea obeyed, okay? And what happens after that? The promiscuous woman didn't, uh, didn't turn over a new leaf and become very faithful. No, did what a promiscuous woman uh, was known to do. And so Hosea suffered greatly. Uh, God told the, the other prophets, Ezekiel, uh, lie on one side, naked, whatever, lie on the other side, naked. Uh, humiliation. So, just because you're going through suffering doesn't mean that you are out of God's favour. Of course, Jesus, right in the middle of God's favour and agenda, went through intense suffering. On top of that, discipline can be good. Discipline doesn't always feel good, but it can be good. Hebrews 12.7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. My back currently does not feel very good, <laughs> but I know that ultimately it is good for me. Okay? And so for God's children, temporary suffering will result in ultimate good. Now we need to remember that God's perspective is not just limited to this life. It stretches on et into eternity. And so the promise of Romans chapter 8, verse 28 goes beyond this life into eternity. In fact, the context of this verse, Romans 8, 28, is about suffering's experience in this life giving way to future glory. And so having glorified bodies, living with God without sin and suffering, basically being dead in this world but being alive in heaven, that is the ultimate good for us. And if we take the context of Romans 8.28 even further, Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn uh, among many brothers and sisters. And so one of God's good purposes is for us to conform to the image of Christ. That in all things, Eventually, it results, uh, if you love him and is called according to his good purpose, eventually it results in the conformation into the image of Christ, in identifying with the suffering of Christ, in progressing from the suffering of Christ into his glory. Okay, you may be thinking, uh, uh, yeah, sit here in church, uh, very easy to say all this, yes, amen, hallelujah, uh, hashtag blessed. <laughs> Yes, it's true. God is always in control. God is always good. Always working towards His good purposes. But as soon as I leave church, all this goes flying out the window, you know. How to apply? How does it go beyond this 
head knowledge of God is always in control and God is uh, always working towards His good purposes. What if uh, I got an accident, uh, muscle hospital, uh, I cannot find my sermon notes, uh, then how? Uh, get the pastor to come and visit and preach another sermon, that will probably increase your suffering. But okay, one thing that you can focus on applying, one thing that you can do to focus on applying is to strengthen your faith with experience. Strengthen your faith with experience. What do I mean by this? One of the things that God kept telling the Israelites to do after He brought them out of Egypt, do you remember what was the one thing he kept repeating? One word? You remember? I'm giving you a hint. Do you remember? It was the word remember, lah. <laughs> okay. God kept repeating remember, 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 remember. Taking them out of Egypt, bringing, through the, bringing them through the wilderness, even all the festivals, the religious festivals and feasts. All that was very centered around remembering. Remembering how God delivered them from Egypt. Remembering how He provided for them through the 40 years of the wilderness. Remembering, remembering, remembering. Passover, remembering. Okay, all that, remembering. So, our past experiences can inform our future faith. Our past experiences, what we have experienced in the past, can make our faith in the future better. They say that hindsight is 2020, meaning that when you look back, after the suffering is over, you can see very clearly, oh yeah, God, God's hand was here, uh, God's purpose was here, actually God, God purpose on. Uh, very easy to see when you look back. And so, if you have that hindsight and you can see clearly God's hand and His good purposes, don't forget, remember. Don't just uh, reflect and remember what are the ways that you can remember. You can journal it down, you can tell a friend, you can blog about it, you can, I don't know, tweet it, put it on Facebook, whatever. Remember it. Don't just, oh yeah, and then forget. Okay, remember uh, your experiences. Several experiences that are helpful to remember. Firstly, personal experience when you saw God at work in your own life. Uh, I can personally testify many, many, many times I can see God's hand in my life uh, even though I was going through so much suffering. Okay, things that seemed absolutely awful at that time and totally irredeemable became something absolutely good much later on. I won't go into detail because it'll take too much time. Uh, and so now, because I had that hindsight, now when I go through something awful, even though it still feels awful, even though it's still difficult, I know that God can bring about good from it. Because I've seen Him do it before. I've gone through it myself. So, personal experience. Secondly, communal experience, meaning the, the, what others have gone through so you don't have to go through it. So this can be another fellow church member, mature Christian, a fellow brother and sister in Christ. Hearing testimonies of how God works in the life of others helps to strengthen our faith. I may not have personally gone through some sort of miraculous healing, but I've heard many accounts of people who I know and trust who have. 
And so that informs my faith that yes, God can heal miraculously. Communal faith. And thirdly, biblical experience. The experience of characters in the Bible, the stories, the historical accounts, the teachings, all these are foundational for a strong faith. And so if we remember these experiences, our faith can be stronger for the challenges ahead. And our faith is strengthened. Why? What do we do with a stronger faith? We don't just blindly hope and believe. Rather, we trust that God has a good purpose for us. Sorry, a bit of a problem. Okay, yeah. We build up our trust in God because trust comes from relationship, not mere logic. So when our faith is strengthened, we can lift out our trust in God and that trust comes from relationship, not just logic. You think about it, it's not easy to trust somebody that you have no relationship with. If you don't know a person at all and then they say, uh, jump down, hey, Siri, go away. <laughs> if you don't know a person and then they say, uh, just fall down, I will catch you, you probably won't trust them. But if it's your father and he says, fall down, I will catch you, you can trust him because he has to pay the medical bill, right? So, <laughs> it's easier to trust somebody that you have a relationship with. And so, friends, it's the same with God. I I'm sure many of you, oh, okay, quick show of hands, how many of you have gone through experiencing God in one way or another? Experiencing God. Okay, great number of you, quite a fair number. Uh, if you remember from experiencing God, I'm paraphrasing this a bit. Huh? If you have not experienced God in a personal relationship, you are in trouble at the heart of your Christian life. Okay, specifically, that was uh, if you don't hear God speaking, huh? but I'm just paraphrasing in the, the, the meaning. If you have not experienced God in a personal relationship, you are in trouble at the heart of your Christian life. And so if you have not experienced God in personal relationship, then you will have a lot of trouble trusting Him. You will have a lot of trouble going through suffering and difficulty and trying to make yourself trust Him. And so seeking Him needs to become your number one priority. Developing your relationship with Him needs to become your number one priority. And so if you're suffering, uh, sorry, if you're struggling to trust God in the midst of your suffering, that is all the more reason to draw closer to Him, not to pull away from Him. In conclusion, know that God is always in control. He's always good. Know that. This doesn't change with our circumstances. It doesn't change with what we go through. God is unchanging, theological term, immutable, tapbole, uh, what's the word for change in Malay? Uba, transform. Uh, yeah. 
God is always in control. He does not change. Believe, believe that our suffering is not meaningless. Believe that when you go through whatever you have gone through or whatever you are going through, it can be physical hardship, illness, sickness, disability. It can be persecution. It can be consequences of your own sin. It can be perhaps regretting a past mistake. Whatever you have gone through, believe that it's not wasted. Believe that God can use it for good. Believe that it can be redeemed. And trust God. Take comfort. Be encouraged. You cannot turn back time. You can't take back the consequences of your actions. But you can trust God who transcends time and He can use those consequences for a good purpose. Take comfort in that fact. Be encouraged to press on in all things. Let us pray. Let's just take some moments to reflect. Let's just take some time to reflect. Bring to mind the difficulties, challenges, suffering that you're going through, the effects that you are still feeling, the difficult things that lie ahead that you are anxiously anticipating. Bring these things before the Lord. Tell Him that He is in control. Lord, our lives are full of challenges. Our lives are hardly ever straightforward. There are so many things that clamor for our attention, so many things that want to distract us from you. And so, Lord, we pray for a reminder, not just at the head level, but a constant reminder even at the heart level that you are God. You are sovereign. You are always in control. And so, Father, forgive us when we attribute to you a lack of control. Forgive us when we say that you are not good, for those things are not true. Forgive us when we allow our, our, our own perception of what we experience to say those things. Lord, may we build our relationship with you May we build our trust with you by drawing closer to you. In the ways in which we have gone through things, in the ways in which uh, others around us have gone through things, in the ways in which you have revealed the truth of your word to us, help us, Lord, to remember, to remember these things, that our faith may be stronger for the challenges ahead. Help us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.